Hi, newbies. Nurse Ruthie here, and you're listening to the Newbie Nurse Podcast. One day, I just woke up and said, I want to start a podcast. I've been a nurse for about 13 years. I've worked in pain management, med surge, and a majority of my time in the ED. My goal is to assist new nurses into the crazy yet rewarding world of nursing. Hi, newbies. Nurse Ruthie here, and you're listening to the Newbie Nurse Podcast. This week's topic is dealing with the emotional toll of death and dying. When I was thinking about topics to do this week, I was reflecting back of the days of COVID. I've been a nurse for about 13 years, and I was just imagining when when COVID came out, I was like, wow, this must have been kind of similar to when HIV came out, like the Spanish flu. This is crazy. I was not scared. I feel like I didn't have time to be scared. I just had to be prepared. Honestly, I felt like I blocked out a lot. I myself, I'm my father is in a nursing home, so I could not see him. I did get to see him through the window, and I pretty much went every day, looked through the window, and it was heartbreaking. I being a nurse and the staff knowing that I'm a nurse, and I'm looking through the window every day. My father still was not being cared for well. He had contractors by the time I got him out of that nursing facility. Um, the la- the first day, I was the first person to go into the nursing home, which I'm very grateful and, and thankful for, because if I didn't go in that day, I, uh, he probably would have died. <laughs> yeah, it was a crazy time. I'm sure they were going through it as well at the facility. It was very heartbreaking when I would have patients come in, their families could not come in. Felt alone and scared, I believe, because they were watching the news and got to the point where I decided, you know what, I can't watch the news anymore. I myself am working at an ER. It's a freestanding ER. Uh, Prior to that, I did work in an emergency room in a hospital. I had to leave there in order to protect my mental health. To this day, I'm super paranoid. You can ask my husband (laughs) when he's driving. I'm like thinking of like the worst things that could happen because of the things I've seen. Me personally, the worst part of the death and dying are those who are left behind. The family members who are screaming, uh, crying, um, upset, mad, belief. They're pleading with you to please get their family member back, but they're gone. I'm going to talk about three situations of death. So there is the ambulance that's coming, the family members with them. Uh, also, there will be the, the patient that shows up and they have no family with them. All right, so example one, the code comes in. Um, they're actively conducting CPR. They do have family at the bedside. Many facilities will allow the family members to watch Uh, why they try to resuscitate their family member. Now, to some, this may be gruesome, but to others, this is what they want to see. Honestly, I want to watch. I want to make sure that they have done everything and anything that they can do to help save my family member. And when I say family member, I mean friend as well. I have heard of situations when a family member comes after the code is conducted and they're pronounced and they go into the trauma bay and the trauma bay is spotless. There's nothing on the floor. Um, The patient is lying under the blanket and the 
the family member or friends like, what did you guys do? You didn't do anything because the place is like pretty clean. My advice to you is just to leave everything the way it is. There have also been times when codes have been ran and family members have been in the room and they say, stop, just stop. And then they allow their family member to pass. If the patient uh, arrived alone, um, but yet you have a way to contact the family member, a lot of times there's a chaplain and somehow they find these numbers and names. Um, in some places you can contact your local sheriff's office and give, you know, if you have their license number, maybe they have an emergency contact on file. Also a good hack is if you have an iPhone, um, you just say, hey Siri, call mom or call dad or, and it'll call someone. Now you're not gonna let the family member or friend know um, right away, um, unless they're out of state, but I would let the chaplain deal with that. Um, you don't wanna let them know that their family member has passed before they get there because they most likely are not gonna be um, able to drive. And of course we don't want them to get in an accident. Now, once they get to the facility, usually there's a designated room um, for the doctor to speak to the family member. Um, you want to go ahead and have that set up with chairs and tissues and water. Um, and once the patient gets or the family member gets there, go ahead and um, place them in the room. Let the doctor know that they're there and you will enter the room with the doctor along. Or if you have a chaplain, that's even better um, to have the chaplain there. Um, and just to say that, let's say the person's not religious. I mean, a lot of times just having someone to speak to helps, especially at that time. Um, the chaplain also has lots of resources as far as like if they want to get any counseling for uh, the person passing. Um, the doctor, they, they usually um, have their speech down, unfortunately, and they don't say pass on or on a better life or they're gone. They say they have died, they're dead. Um, they have to say it like that because um, sometimes your mind plays tricks on you and you're like, oh, they, they went somewhere else, okay. A better place, okay, maybe a different hospital. <laughs> no, you have to be very um, upfront with the friend or family member. I have been in situations where people have died um, by themselves, unfortunately. Uh, it's been years since this happened, but as you can see, it still affects people. <laughs> but, um, you know, just hold their hands. They feel you. You don't have to say anything. Just try to make them as comfortable as possible. If that means, you know, making sure they're not in pain. If um, you want to provide warm blankets, maybe some soothing music. If you knew that they liked a certain kind of music, maybe you could pray for them. There have also been situations when a patient is a hospice patient and I've literally seen them write their own obituary like nothing. <laughs> so, you know, everybody has their way to coping. You know, I'm sure we all know about Kubler-Ross and the, the stages of um, like loss and de of death and dying. You know, there's denial, anger, bargaining, depression, acceptance. And this is all in different orders. It doesn't have to be exactly in that order. It could be backwards, forwards. It could repeat itself. And it could take a couple years. But as a nurse, sometimes I feel like it happens all at once to me. Like, I feel like it all hits me at once. So now the family member's there. The family member knows. Um, 
They're, they may be screaming, they may be crying, they may just be stunned. Um, read the room. Uh, sometimes there will be screaming, there'll be chairs thrown, they'll be yelling. Um, you know, just let them cope with the news how they need to cope with the news. You know, don't make it any worse for them. I mean, unless it's going to be a dangerous situation, then you have to, you know, get security and escalate. But some families are just, you know, they have to scream and cry and yell. Um, and then you ask them, do you want to see your family member? And some family members do and some don't. Um, like, don't don't start asking about organ donation and all that. Like, you, that, that is not your role um, at all. I'll ask the family member, do they want me to stay with them? Do they want to be alone? Um, if they are in the room with the deceased, I will give them as long as they need. I let the charge know, I let everybody know, like, sh- they need time. When they're ready to come out, then they'll come out. Another thing that I do that I've never told anyone is that when I conduct CPR, I pray. I pray at the same time. I feel like that keeps me going and I'm literally pushing that into their heart. (laughs) After a while though, after seeing all that death and you're at high risk for um, compassion fatigue. So you start becoming numb. Um, Like nothing affects you anymore. Um your interests decrease, you start feeling overwhelmed. And again, like your feelings of empathy, like they reduce. And I see a lot of staff that are like this, you know, they make, they crack jokes, but sometimes it's kind of dark. Ways that I cope with compassion fatigue, um, I definitely reflect on everything that I have great in my life, how blessed I am, how blessed I am to be alive, I also have written letters to the deceased. Um, I keep them to myself, but I write down everything that I felt um, about their passing. To me, I feel like they are reading that in heaven and I'm, I'm writing to them and it makes me feel better. Postcode huddles are key. Um, definitely need to do those. Usually they're run by the physician. The physician will talk about things that went right, things that we could have made better. They will answer all the questions that you have. And you yourself may speak to the chaplain. You'd be surprised like how much it just takes off of you um, just to speak about the situation. I like to take about a five-minute break before I dig, like dive into all the massive charting you're going to have to do and the necessary phone calls you're going to have to give. Um, I also, um, I practice self-care. I meditate, I do yoga, I exercise. I like to give back. And when I say give back, it doesn't have to be monetary. It could just be a compliment. You know, I just make it a point to, when I feel like I should handle a situation with extra kindness, I do. So newbies, I hope this helped you out some. It's going to take some time. You'll come up with your own skills to cope with death and dying. Newbies, being a nurse means that they're there for the highs and lows, the joy and the pain in the beginning and the end. But within it all, you have the opportunity to make a difference, to provide comfort and to leave a lasting impact on the lives you touch. So remember, treat people how you want to be treated because what you put into this world is what you're going to get back. Have a wonderful day.
The views and opinions expressed in this program are those of the speaker and do not reflect the views or position of any entities they represent. Oh, thank you.